You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, folks. Thursday afternoon here on the bench, and we're going to chat about Boston College. Uh, I'm filling in for Trey on the Nolti Enemy recording, which is a pseudo version of that, to be just uh, genuinely clear from the get-go. I'm joined by Dane Draper. Dane, how are you today, buddy? I'm quite good, Chris. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm getting ready to fly to Boston in the morning. So uh, not going to waste too much time. BC is sort of what you think they are, I think is the best way of putting it, but we'll dive right on in. Uh, As always, remember our sponsors, people like the Turner Group, Chattanooga Whiskey, and the video game, which I can never remember the name of, and I apologize for that, but that's why we have young people like Zach and Dane. Maybe Dane knows the name right offhand. Do you, Dane? Uh, Football coach, college dynasty, is that it? There you go. That's why I keep you young people around. You keep me young and hip. All right, but all right, Boston College. First thought, Dane, when you hear BC and what you've seen them do against NIU, which they lost in overtime on a field goal, and Holy Cross, which they won after a lightning delay in a late-game fumble recovery, what are your thoughts on the Eagles and Jeff Halfley going into the FSU game? I think they're a total mess, and Halfley probably on his way out, and they aren't that good. Yeah, it's kind of sad that Halfley uh, – I, I thought when he got hired there it was a good hire and that it would work out for them, but it has not to any degree. And I agree with you. They are a total mess. I watched a good bit of that Holy Cross game. I went back and watched a condensed version of the NIU loss. Uh, main takeaway for me, they're just not very talented. I mean, they had Zay Flowers there the last couple of years, and he's obviously a dude. He's playing on Sundays for a reason. There's just not a lot of guys that I came away thinking, man, that guy can make a play at, against FSU that can really hurt him. There are a few pieces. Thomas Castellanos has taken over the quarterback reins. Former UCF quarterback who transferred in there this past year, during, I believe right after the spring, if I recall correctly. He's a very athletic guy. Adam Fuller kind of compared him to a wide receiver playing the quarterback position. I think that's a fair comparison. Very athletic guy. You can't let him run wild. You can't let him get free, but Overall, mediocre passer. I don't think he's a guy that, especially if the conditions are not favorable for the passing game, that he can overcome that. Uh, go ahead, Dane. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. I think he's he's obviously much more of a threat on the ground, but they kind of do – I mean, they do throw like, like a surprisingly balanced amount, I want to say. Like they kind of want to be a balanced attack, and he's – I mean, he's very inexperienced as a quarterback on top of not being – exceptionally talented as a passer. I mean, he's not a bad thrower of the ball, but he's inexperienced and he's, that's not the strength of his game um, as you're saying. So nothing, nothing crazy there. He came about to replace Emmett Moorhead who handled, I think it was the first two series of the season before he got benched. They had a really long rope on Emmett coming into the season. Clearly Um, so far, Castellanos has racked up five total touchdowns, 475 yards of total offense. He's played a majority of those two games. He started game two and he played a vast majority of game one. So that kind of gives you an idea. 
the strength of their offense is their offensive line, which is kind of normal cliche for BC. It was not last year. They were beat to hell up front last year physically. But getting a guy like Christian Mahogany back, who's one of the better offensive linemen in the entire ACC, is an anchor. They added a couple transfers, Logan Taylor, who came from Virginia, Kyle Hergel, who came from Texas State. They've added to that piece. They are good up front, but they don't run the ball particularly effectively. You know, like it, it's weird. Like I do think they have a capable and good offensive line, probably a mid-tier offensive line in the ACC, but it doesn't translate to them being a particularly successful running team. Yeah, they haven't been overly productive there. I think, like when you look at efficiency metrics and stuff, they're definitely like they're not a bad rushing team necessarily. Definitely better at passing, but I mean that's yeah. You would, I feel like you'd think they would run the ball more. Yeah, <laughs> they just don't do it a ton, um, which is kind of interesting. Because given that their talent is all up front. Another guy you didn't mention on the line is, uh, I forget his first name, but Trapio, I think he's their left tackle. Yeah. He's, he's played pretty well this year. I think he's the highest graded guy for PFF for them. But yeah. From a rushing attack standpoint, Pat Garwa is an old name. That's a familiar name, but he is banged up right now. It's unclear whether or not he'll play against the Seminoles. They actually ended up leaning in on their fourth running back on the depth chart in game two against Holy Cross, kid named Kyle Robichaw who's there now, and that's who ended up being their primary runner in that game, in addition to Castellanos. So that that room right now just isn't, you know, anything. After losing Zay Flowers, the receiver room, you know, I, I'm unimpressed by it. Ryan O'Keefe, who's a UCF transfer, is a kid who I think is talented, and I think right now he actually is tied for team lead in receptions for them, but he only has about 64 yards to show for his nine receptions. He can do some things, but they just haven't really done it with him a whole lot. I think he did have one nice goal line area play against Holy Cross that stood out to me. But they don't have a guy that stepped into the void left by Zay Flowers, nor do they have a group of guys who have stepped into that void. Um, again, their skill offensively just is unimpressive to me. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think like O'Keefe hasn't really shown it, as you're saying, but I think he's he's probably the guy with the eyes ceiling in that room, the guy with the most potential to – like if you're going to try and go beat or go compete with Florida State even in this game, I think you need a guy like Ryan O'Keefe to really have his biggest game yet. And um, so it'll be his third, third game at BC. I mean, he's not really experienced in all this but um, or at, at the school, but he has a skill set that – most closely resembles Zay Flowers and definitely not Zay Flowers. I don't know if anyone in this conference is. He's a first round pick and he's playing really well right now for the Ravens. But um but he's he's a guy who, who's probably the fastest player on their team, talking about Ryan O'Keefe. He's probably the fastest guy on the team, has the capability of taking the top off the defense, can do a lot of things as far as, you know, motion him out of the backfield even. Like they'll probably try to get him the ball in a few different ways, or I I would at least. I think he's their best hope. Yeah, he's, he's not a he's not a particularly big frame guy. I think he's five nine on their roster, if I recall correctly. But he'll play physical. He's he's a willing participant when it comes to that kind of stuff. I just you know, I there's a play with Holy Cross where they worked him to the outside. He ended up scoring it. It, it was one of the more flashy plays on a two game film that I watched of them that stood out. Uh, the offense from a statistic standpoint, nothing particularly impressive. Twenty seven and a half points per game through two games, ranked seventy seventh in the nation. 184.5 through the year is 106th in the nation, 385, I'm sorry, 358.5. Dyslexia kicked in there for a second for me, is uh, 87th in total offense. So, yeah, again, offense is sort of underwhelming and unimpressive to me. Um, defensively, they're they're kind of sound, um, and that's a staple of Jeff Halfley. He's more thought of as a defensive coach than an offensive coach. 
But again, nothing about him is particularly overly impressive. Uh, Donovan, I'm going to mess up his name here, but Donovan Izaruku, I guess is the best way I can say it. Edge for them. He is a guy who is a dude. He is an all ACC caliber player. He is capable of getting after the quarterback and creating sacks. Shitty Sala, who plays opposite of him on the other end, is another talented edge for them. So they do have capable edges. And then Vinny De Palma, who I feel like has been there since Dane was born. That linebacker is another guy in that front seven that's worth knowing. But they're they're not, you know, wreaking havoc on the opponent. And watching them against Holy Cross, who ran right through them. Holy Cross racked up the rushing yards. And watching them against NIU, there's just nothing about them really in any phase of the game where I went, man, they're they're good at this. Like they can lean into that. They have individuals mainly easy on the edge who's capable of being a dude, but they don't have enough of those. Um, what's some of your thoughts on the defensive side of ball? I mean, yeah, they like I think they're a better offensive team than defensive team, and they're not a very good offensive team. Um, I mean, defensively, they're 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 pretty bad. Um, like Chris, you say they're a they're a pretty sound team at least, or you would expect that with a Jeff Halfley team. I mean, that's kind of what they've been at least. They just are kind of inherently at a talent disadvantage because it's Boston College um, for the most part. But I mean, this team is is horrible with like giving up explosive plays to these pretty poor teams they've played. Like I'm, I'm just looking at the Holy Cross game in specific. Um, like Holy Cross had a 26 percent explosive explosive play rate. Um, so. 25% would be every four plays having an explosive play. The, uh, 26% is like well into the 99th percentile. That's like absurdly high. I mean, you are not a disciplined defense if you're doing that, if you're giving that up to a holy cross. Um, and then on top of that explosive play rate, even like disregarding that, they gave up a 50% success rate, which is like the down-to-down success rather than just explosive success. Um and that 50% success rate, that would be in the 88th percentile offensively for Holy Cross. I mean, this it's very, very, very bad. And, and it's not um, just, you know, giving up big plays in the ground or giving up big plays to the air. It's, like, evenly dispersed. I mean, Holy Cross, um, they had 14 explosive plays in total. Uh, five were passes, which is 33% of their total pass attempts. And nine were on the ground, which is 24% of the rush attempts. Like, this, Yeah. BC's defense is really bad, and FSU is very good at creating explosives. They have always have been under Nor- Mike Norvell with Alex Atkins there, too. I mean, whether it's through the air, on the ground, you know, whatever weather lets FSU do in this game, I think they're just going to score a lot of points, probably. You use the word undisciplined to describe BC as a whole, and it's very true. 20 penalties through two games, 101 yards per game in penalties. Pretty awful rate there for them against two teams that shouldn't force a whole lot of penalties against you. Neither of them are particularly explosive bunches either in the sense of where you're going to be jittery. Um, You know, I think they've got, I think it's two sacks, nine tackles for loss through two games from a defensive standpoint. They're not particularly impressive from a turnover margin standpoint or creating turnovers. They're an underwhelming bunch. Like I I watched that Holy Cross game last weekend up until the lightning delay. And then I went and saw what happened after that. And then uh, I watched the NIU game in recent days here, and uh, they're just – it's kind of amazing to me how bad they are. Um, you know, your coach is in his, what, fourth year, fifth year? What year is happily? I think he's fourth year. Fourth sounds right, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, that's where that program is currently. I know nobody we've talked to up there is particularly impressed by what's going on. Uh, speaking of that, Dane, you had a few phone conversations or text conversations 
what a, an individual who covers the heck out of BC, what was kind of some of the takeaways from that conversation? What, what did you glean from what he was sharing with you? I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a ton of hope from the BC side that they're going to be very competitive in this game. If I can say that, um, I don't get that impression. I feel like, yeah, I mean, they've BC barely beat the first two teams on their schedule. Oh no, actually they lost to NIU, excuse me. Yeah. They lost to Northern Illinois who then went and I think lost to like Southern Illinois, which NCS team. Oh, when those directionals get together, it's an old <laughs> barn burner. Yeah. They go a rock fight there. Um, yeah. And then they almost lose to Holy Cross. I mean, that's, that staff is not in good shape objectively. I, I don't know how you could see it any other way. And, um, and the roster, you bring up the penalties, talk about explosive plays on defense, which should be the strength of that team being coached by Jeff Halfley, defensive coach. Yeah. Um, no interceptions, yeah. two fumble recoveries through two games. Yeah, just just a really underwhelming group who's not particularly talented in the first place, as we've discussed. And, uh, and FSU is kind of in a – I mean, really in a, a pretty high level plan – Plain is a very high-level team right now and far far exceeding that of Boston College at this point. Yeah, a few other stats that jumped out at me. Opponents have made it into the red zone eight times against BC. They've scored eight touchdowns in those visits. Never particularly good. Opponents converting 54% of the time on third down against them, too. And we know FSU is a team that highly focuses on situational football and tends to do pretty well in that regard and is definitely very willing participant to go on fourth down if they set themselves up for success in such situations. Um, so what could BC do to make it interesting? Well, if you are FSU and we're, we'll take into account that hurricane Lee, wind, rain, etc., may be making some kind of impact around noon on Saturday to this game. So if you're BC, what's your formula for any potential success against FSU? I mean, offensively, I think it would definitely benefit you to not just have like the chaos of, of weather influencing the game, but also kind of like a heavy rain or wind situation or both um, that kind of influences the game to, to keep the ball on the ground. I mean, you, you do that, you make the game have less possessions basically. And the fewer possessions, the more likely like the, the inferior opponent, you know, the more likely they can win basically. Um, but also they're just a better team on the ground. And I think even if the weather were to force BC to play more on the ground, that might be more in their favor. Um, and, just you know, keeping the ball in a in the hands of a guy like Thomas Castellanos on the ground, he's one of their best athletes, and he's their quarterback. I mean, that might be something that that benefits them there. And then like Ryan O'Keefe on the outside, mentioned him. I mean, if he were to have a really big game, I think that's something that could actually really help them out. And then defensively, you probably need your your edges, who are probably your most talented players there, BC's most talented players on defense. Um, you need those guys to play their best game. And, and see what happens. So BC ran for 202 yards against Holy Cross. It marked the first time since the Georgia Tech game, I believe, in 2021 that they had eclipsed 200 rushing yards, which is just kind of crazy knowing the history of BC and the ability to line it up and run it down your throat and be very aggressive with how they attack the middle and usually having big body guards and a capable center that allows them to run that way. They just haven't been that under halfway a whole heck of a lot. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a good sign for them. I Castellan, to me, the the only way an upset happens is, you know, extremely bad turnover luck from FSU's side of the ball. 
giving BC multiple extra possessions, Castellanos breaking free and having a couple big individual success plays and them playing keep away, you know, killing the clock, bad conditions, limit possessions, best defense for BC on Jordan Travis is probably making sure he's standing beside head coach Mike Norvell on the sideline watching FSU's defense play. But yeah, I, I think FSU rolls. Um, anything else about the game you want to bring up, discuss, play a little buyers and own with anything of that sort. <laughs> if you have any questions lined up, I don't assume you do. I don't have any lined up off top of my hand, head. Um, well, here's one. Does FSU as a team rush for 300 plus against BC? Byers we got to we got to we got to preface it, Chris. Well, we're going to play a little Byers Snow and brought to you by the Turner Group. So, right. does FSU rush for 300 or more against BC? Because we're going to presume conditions aren't great for throwing the ball around the yard. Does FSU rush for 300 or more against BC? Byers Snow. Bye. Yeah, I think it's a good number, and I think they do it. I don't. I think even if weather doesn't uh, really influence that a ton. I think you might just keep the ball on the ground and get out of there safe, you know, get out of there with not minimal snaps. You want snaps. You want a lot of snaps for your younger guys in the second half, that sort of thing. But kind of like how they they did with Southern Miss where um, try to establish the run game, I guess, and uh, take some shots, take some shots when they, when they give it to you. But um, might be another game where you just kind of, get through it and starting to do that from the ground to begin with. If that makes sense. It's a turf field up there. Uh, thinking back to when Jordan ran wild up there, kind of his breakout, his first instance of having success in a Seminole uniform, fast turf field, but it has been changed in recent years. Is that correct? Dane? Isn't that something you had a conversation about? I was muted. Um, I think it might be a new, newer field, a newer turf field. And, um, which wouldn't help, I don't think, with the rain. If it were to be really rainy, I think that could be – I mean, it'd just be real slippery and slick, and it's, it could just be a mess, basically. But, hey, what you going to do? All right, one more buyers to known brought to you by the Turner Group here, Dane. Um, and on the running one, I, I think I'm going to Sinone it, but I think FSU will be real close to 300. Um, buyers to known defensive question here. Does FSU generate three or more takeaways? Um, hmm. Yeah, I'll buy based again. May is somewhat on the conditions, at least. I think Thomas Castellanos is an ex- inexperienced quarterback who's not an exceptional passer. He's, I mean, we talk about the penalties. He's, uh, like he's no exception to that. He's had some issues with like unsportsmanlike penalties after big plays and that yeah, sort of he's, thing. He's issuing those good old Instagram apology letters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's an emotional guy. Like he's he's a competitor, an emotional player, and that's. Maybe him being younger, um, I don't know, but it's, it hasn't really helped him out a ton, I don't think. <laughs> um, but that said, I feel like he could, you know, force a few balls. You know, they go down a few scores. He starts trying to bot off more than he can chew. And, and FSU's, you know, is a very disciplined team and talented defense that has the capability to take the ball away. And then with it being in the rain, I mean, if it is in the rain, well, that doesn't really help the whole ball security deal either. Yeah, BC's done a good job valuing it so far. I think they have one interception as a team and two fumbles. Um, and they haven't lost any of those fumbles. So technically, I think they only have the one turnover on the interception. So they've done a good job of that. But I agree. Conditions are going to most likely be relatively bad. It's going to be a long day for Castellanos in that backfield despite decent offensive line in front of him. I think FSC is going to have a good bit of success getting in the backfield and trying to bother him. 
And I just feel like it's a kid that's going to try to do too much. You know, they're, they're, if you read earlier in the week, Zach wrote about it. Um, you know, FSU was involved with Castellanos. He's a South Georgia kid out of, I believe it was Ware County, if I remember correctly. And he's someone that FSU kicked the tires on, really liked from an athletic standpoint. Didn't really view as a true quarterback, but did like as an offensive athlete. Didn't work out. Ended up at UCF, obviously at BC. So there's that little bit of a storyline there. Sometimes that will play a role. And obviously BC's a little bit back against the walls as they haven't played particularly well in either game so far this year and they're 500 on the year through two games against two relatively lowly opponents. So, yeah, I think FSU has a good chance of uh, taking it away a few times. And on FSU side, they've been really, really good at being around the ball, not only creating a few takeaways here in their first two games, but just in general being aggressive towards the ball. They've worked a great deal in preseason camp of, you know, punch a ball out, chase a ball, be after the ball, be physical and do the fundamental and the techniques of get the play to end, but also if the ball is there for the taking, go and try to take it. It's been a point of focus. It was a massive point of focus because FSU did not love the way they generated takeaways a season ago. So um, that's about it. Prediction time or anything else? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, this, yeah, I think we're, we're good covering the game. I mean, <laughs> I think we've done that thoroughly. I'm ready for a prediction, Chris. All right. Uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I haven't really thought about it a whole lot. Um, I'm going to keep it a little bit more low scoring because of the weather. I think a lot of running will keep the clock moving, especially with the new clock rules. I think this will be an instance where you see two, three less possessions per team than you would have a season ago because of the clock rules. Um, I'll go with FSU winning. I'm not even going to throw a field goal in there because the field is going to be so crappy. Um, I'm going to go with 49-14. Which I think is actually what I predicted last week. So I'm becoming repetitive at this <laughs> job. Knee. Um, the the weather being uh, an influence on field goals is a good note. I didn't think about that honestly. Um, I'll go. I'll go forty two to seven. I think. I think BC finds almost no success on offense, and uh, and Florida State has a you know kind of gets what they want. For the most I, part, I will say if it's favorable throwing conditions, and obviously we're recording about you know just shy of 44 hours out from this football game. Um, if it is favorable passing conditions, FSU is going to eviscerate the living hell out of BC. Yeah, yeah, I think you're seeing a score closer to that 66 number we saw last week. Yeah, I mean, maybe not 66, and that wasn't even all offensively against Southern Miss, but it's something like that. That's yeah, I think Southern Miss is a better is playing like a better coach team than uh, than Boston College is, and I don't think they're much less talented if less talented at all. Wow, that's rough for an ACC team. Mm-hmm. They always have hockey up there in Chestnut Hill. All right, so for Dane Draper, I'm Chris Nee. This is on the bench, a little bit multi-enemy pseudo version here. Uh, again, Turner Group, thank you. Chattanooga Whiskey, thank you. And Dane, once again, I'm going to lean on you as a youngin. What's the name of the video game? Uh, call uh, f- Football Coach College Dynasty. There you go. You are under pressure. It's on Steam, not Stream, for my boy Brendan out there. So feel free to go and get it. We always appreciate our sponsors. We appreciate everybody that listens. Don't rank this one because it probably wasn't five-star quality. I apologize for that. I'm a little under weather and getting ready to fly out of here. So. We will talk to you after the game. Uh, As always, Trey, AB, and Kev will have the instant reaction. Who knows? Maybe Dane or Zach will hop on that with them not being on the road with me and Brendan this weekend. And uh, they'll probably have a little fun with it because I expect FSU to move to 3-0. And then it's on to Clemson and ending that streak. 
Have a great day. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.